0: Good morning. It's great to be speaking to you today. You may or may not know that Grace Church is part of a family of churches called Commission. We go to Commission Festival together every year in August. Got a number of us going to a leaders conference uh, in a couple of weeks time. Uh, And it's a global family of churches. And uh, I had the privilege last weekend of being invited to go to um, North Portugal, um, I say North Portugal, just so it was, it was raining, just so you know, it was cold and not very nice weather at all, but it was uh, great to go and be with Commission uh, and our family of churches there. There's a, there was a, an English couple, that w- w- how this all started, that 40 years ago drove a beaten up old ambulance with two of their kids um, to go and be missionaries, and they are still there today serving Jesus, along with their children and grandchildren uh, as well. And I went with Guy and Heather Miller to serve the churches there and joined with a bunch of pastors there who who had gathered to encourage one another. Um, And it was an amazing group of men and women serving Jesus faithfully in circumstances that are far from easy. So hey, pray for them. I went to serve and kind of just minister and do what I could to encourage them. But actually, I really met with God myself. I was super encouraged and just felt God revealing things to me and giving me fresh faith to serve him with my life and to to, give all that I am to him. And then I come back to the UK and the happiest month of the year in February and, uh, and because I had had this moment where God spoke to me, everything's easy now. Everything is smooth. I have walked perfectly with God this week. Resisting sin, easy. I have been on fire for Jesus 24 hours a day all week long. No. Now, I, I really did meet with God and, and, and had an amazing time I have not been on fire all week. Unfortunately, it is not that simple. We're going to see a great example of that uh, today. So yes, I had an amazing moment and I am not despising that. I am very grateful for that. But that does not mean that my life or even my week is now a non-stop upward trajectory to being more and more like Jesus. Whenever we meet with God or have a high moment, there is always a come down to some extent. In fact, the kingdom of God that Jesus is ushering in throughout the Gospel of Matthew as we're preaching through this book is not at all like an upward trajectory. The kingdom of God that Jesus ushers in is an upside down Kingdom. It is upside down and back to front to how we normally think. It is different. It's a bit like, and I don't know if you've ever, like, tried cutting your hair uh, in a mirror, whether with scissors or uh, clippers, um, which I've done a few times, and it is really weird, and you're kind of trying to... But everything your hand does, the mirror does the opposite, and you have to, you have to really think about uh, doing the opposite of it. The kingdom of God is a bit like that. It, it tends to be the opposite of what we might normally think. And we'll see that in, in our passage in Matthew 16. Up to this point in the book and through this series, we uh, have seen Jesus speak about the message of the kingdom, the Sermon on the Mount. We've seen him demonstrate the power of the kingdom with some amazing miracles. He has sent his disciples out with a mission to declare the kingdom of God and we reach the story just before the fourth teaching block that Jesus gives in Matthew and it begins to show that Matthew the writer begins to show that this kingdom of God is upside down from the off from the very beginning of Matthew the the reader has known and Matthew's made it clear that Jesus is the Messiah he is the long-awaited king But in the story, so we've known that kind of reading, but we get to the first time in the story where a character, someone, real person, directly addresses Jesus as the Messiah. And it's a big moment. Someone has come to this realisation. I'm going to read Matthew 16 from verse 13 uh, to 28. It says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples... Who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what about you? He asked. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Truly, I'll tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Things in the kingdom of God are upside down, or or back to front. It's an upside down kingdom. So in the kingdom of God, the way up is down. The way up is down, but what goes down will come up. In the kingdom of God, the way up is down, but what goes down will come up. It's kind of true that what goes up must come down. It is definitely true that what goes down will come up. The journey that Peter is taken on in these verses is uh, is just great to observe, great to, to think about. He has had this amazing moment of absolutely nailing it but the way up is down not up you you may have had a kind of vaguely similar moment to this where you know the answer to some random question that that no one expects you to know the answer to necessarily and no one else knows the answer to and everyone is impressed in whatever kind of walk you know whether in a quiz or something you just like I know this and and uh it is a great moment. I um, remember I was doing some uh, kind of Bible training with um, Commission and the, the lecturer was talking about the Trinity and uh, God, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Um, and he started talking about the idea of a divine dance, how the Trinity is like a divine dance where they're um, interwoven with one another. And uh, I, remember I muttered, Cool, because you don't want to kind of shout it out so that everyone hears it but just to a couple of people on my table just kind of discreetly oh it's, it's perichoresis perichoresis what he's talking about and uh he went on and saying it's called perichoresis and the people on my table are like wow, how do you know that so well you know theology degree and all those things you know what it's it'll come up it's a big moment for me It was a big moment now um i hope you realize that uh, that, that I know that's lame, that's why I'm telling it, because it, it, it was but but it, those, those are exciting moments. And, and as exciting as it might have been in the moment, it had nothing on Peter's big, big uh, moment. Imagine the scene that, that I've just read from this passage. Jesus asks, hey, who what, are, who, what are people saying about me? Who do they say that I am? Which is, you know, an interesting question, and um, and then he has this really serious question: well, "What about you? Who do you say I am?" And this this is Peter's moment. He uh, kind of maybe looks, you know, just think how it looks at the other disciples, steps steps forward, gives gives a nod. Yeah, I got this. Who do you say I am? He makes this earth shattering statement with real conviction and he says something that no one has ever said before maybe a, a demon possessed person might have said something similar but 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 otherwise no one has said this kind of statement and says this, this just great Jesus you are the Messiah the son of the living God just nails it totally nails it in this amazing moment. And, and then Jesus says this huge thing in, in response. He says, Simon, this, is, this has not been revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter. He gives him a new name. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it, says Jesus to Peter. Imagine being Peter in that moment. He is buzzing. I'm a rock. He is a Peter is a rock. It is this incredible moment where he's he's nailed it and then gets this incredible affirmation from Jesus. Unfortunately for Peter, he he still up to this moment has not grasped that the Messiah. That he's just proclaimed Jesus to be, this king that they needed was not the one, not the type that they had wanted or expected. He hadn't grasped, he grasped that yes Jesus was the Messiah but hadn't yet grasped that in the kingdom of God the way up is down. He's thinking that the way up is up. For him, and for Jesus, just thinking, here we go now, Jesus, meaning we got this now. You'd be thinking, right, let's both go on our upward journey. We're going to have to overthrow local kings, the Herod, and um, we're going to have to overthrow the priests Like physically. We're going to have to overtake the global kings, the Caesars of this world. We, but you're the Messiah, Son of the living God, I'm a rock. We, we got this. We'll go on this journey together. But then possibly has what? Could be the greatest come down in all of history. Um, and we've all had them to some degree, like where you kind of nail it and then you're just very, very quickly brought back to earth. I'm pretty sure that it would have been moments after I'd said my perichoresis that we're kind of turning to Jonah and you know, you just like have a man, where is that? And, and you're just trying to desperately just find, you know, and have, have those moments. We've all had those moments where you're kind of brought that back down to earth. But I don't think any of our moments would would rival Peter's, because it says that Jesus started to explain that what he has, he must, he must go and suffer many things, and he must be killed. So yes, he is the long-awaited Messiah who is bringing the kingdom of God. But for the Messiah, and in his kingdom, the way up is down. So Peter's still full of it, understandably. His first mistake that it says, is a great line, uh, it says that Peter took him aside. Peter took Jesus to one side. I, uh, I've been taken to one side many times in my life, just, you know, Joe, do you have to speak so loudly? Or whatever, it, I, you know, that joke... You're going, to have, you're going to have to apologise to that one, Joe. and Taken to one side. I have taken people to one side a number of times. It is a thing that you do. But think about what's happening here. G- Peter has just acknowledged who Jesus is. He is the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Tip for you. Do not take to one side the Son of the living God. Peter does that. He takes Jesus to one side and he tries to help and encourage Jesus. He says, Jesus, that will, that will never happen to you. Never, never Lord. Never, you'll never be killed. You'll never be beaten. Don't be silly, Jesus. Come on. Um, another tip. Don't tell the son of the living God what will or won't be. I'm serious, right? Do not... Tell God what will or won't be. And um, there's a number of reasons for why you shouldn't do that. One of the reasons is there's always a chance that the son of the living God might call you Satan in response. And that, I don't think, is something that you want to happen. Peter has had this ultra high moment followed by an ultra low moment where the Messiah, the son of the living God, Says to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You you don't have, you're not thinking about the things of God. You've got merely human concerns, which is a great phrase to think about. You've got merely human concerns. This is a a hilarious come down and tragic for poor old Pete. Um, And it may be the greatest come down in history, were it not for what Jesus himself was in the process of doing in this very moment and through the Gospel of Matthew. Peter, he gets higher than any of us, right? In, in terms of Jesus saying to him, heaven, and my, my, this has not been revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. That is a high moment that we're probably not going to have that kind of moment. But then he is brought lower than any of us, when Jesus calls him Satan. So his height is, is way more than ours. And yet even so, the height that Peter reaches is totally incomparable to the height that Jesus had come from. And the depth that he goes to is also totally incomparable to the depth that Jesus was going to. Philippians 2, possibly, um, My favourite chapter in uh, the Bible just beautifully tells of this journey that Jesus takes. He goes down. It says in Philippians 2 verse 5 to 8, Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, (laughs) that is the height from which he starts did, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. He wasn't thinking, how can I make this work for me? Didn't consider that something to use to his own advantage. Rather, the one who was in very nature God made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. He's gone from very nature God, in his very nature he's God, to taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. This is the scandal of the incarnation. God has become a human. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. The scandal of the crucifixion. One who is very, in very nature, God has gone all the way down. To death on a cross this is the way of the Messiah this, this, this is the king we need the way of leaving the, height, the heights of heaven for the depths of the cross the son of God suffering many things, being killed this must happen this, down is the way of Jesus and the reason he does it is love For you and I, undeserved, unmerited love is grace. And this down, this is the way of anyone who would follow this God who leaves heaven and uh, takes this journey down to die for undeserving sinners. And the reason we do it is because he does it And, and out of reciprocated love for him. So Jesus is saying in this Matthew passage, this is the way of the Messiah and it's the way of his followers do. His followers do as he does. The way up in his kingdom is down. He says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, empty themselves, you could say, and take up their cross and follow me. Jesus says, it's not just as that he as the Messiah He must make this downward journey, but anyone else who wants to follow him must make it as well. But it's not just that the way down is down, because that's normal, right? The way up is down. And what goes down will come up in the kingdom of God. Jesus didn't just say he would suffer and be killed. He said he he did say that. He didn't just say that. He also said he would be raised to life. He didn't just say that you have to deny yourself and lose your life for him. He did say that. But he also said, if you do, you will find life. And Philippians 2 goes on. Therefore, because he had gone from there to there, therefore God exalted him to the highest place. And gave him the name that is above, above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of God the Father. Jesus is not dead anymore. He is now, having gone as low as you can go, he is now as high as you can get. It is one of the many reasons why you do not take him aside and you do not tell him what to do or not do and the reason he is that high now is because he went so low, because he went so low he has been raised so high, what goes down will come up, this is Christianity, the son of the living God emptied himself lower than you can imagine for you and those who follow him Join him in giving everything up and emptying themselves of everything for the sake of joining him. But he was then raised up higher than you can imagine. And if you have joined him in the suffering and in the depths, then you will mercifully and graciously be raised with him to the heights. The way up is down, but what goes down will come up. Jesus uses the image when he's speaking similarly in uh, in John's Gospel, he uses the image of a single seed. He says, "Very truly I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. So, it can if, if unless you're going to plant it, it's just going to stay a single seed, really not producing much, not going up, unless it goes down to the ground and dies." If it dies, he says, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life, says Jesus. For a humble seed to sprout out, sprout up, it must go down into the soil and die. If you want to go up, you must go down. This is gloriously freeing. It means it is okay to struggle in the kingdom of God. It's okay to go down. When life is hard, it it is okay to feel overwhelmed. If that is you right now this morning, that is okay. If you feel overwhelmed, that is okay. Give up. Go down, Jesus says. Acknowledge that you don't have the strength to go anywhere else but down. Go down and Jesus will meet you in those depths. Whoever loses their life for him will find it. Also, it means that there is no other way to get there. You will not get to those heights without him. The only way up is down. Whoever wants to save their life themselves will lose it. Salvation by works is not an option. You will not get there on your own. You need to go down. He is the king we need. You might gain the world, but what good would that be at the cost of your soul? So, so, get over yourself, right? Acknowledge that you are unable to attain life yourself. The, the, the world is seductive, so it's hard. It is. We we want to gain the world, we want to try and get the ourselves, but just it's just such a good question. What good is that? What good is gaining the whole world at the cost of your soul? The world is seductive, but I. It's weird. It's crazy how seduced we are when it's so clear that people who get there are not, haven't, don't feel like they've attained life. Look at celebrities. Look at those who have got there more than you probably ever will, and they're depressed. They're killing themselves. We refuse to learn that the way up is not up but down. Jim Carrey, I've quoted before, but. he says i think everybody should get rich rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so they can see that it's not the answer like i hope they could get up there and realize there's nothing up there the way of the king and his kingdom are very different to this world things are upside down you read that you, you, if you read the bible read the new testament you'll realize it more and more in his kingdom the lowly are lifted up and the lifted up are brought low In his kingdom, the sex worker who is washing feet is honoured above the religious leader. Children are told to be less like grown-ups and grown-ups are told to be more like children. Kings don't ride on chariots but on donkeys. The blessed, that is the happy ones, are the hungry ones and the weeping ones. You are better off giving than you are getting and receiving. The path to life is Death, the greatest among you won't have loads of servants, but will be a servant. The foolish will shame the wise. The weak will lead the strong and shame the strong. Power is perfected, not in muscle growth and strength, but in weakness in the kingdom of God. In, the, in, in God's kingdom, if you want a crown, then here's your cross. The way to the crown is through a cross. It is a beautiful gospel. What does it cost you? Nothing. And everything. It, it, it will cost you nothing and yet it will cost you everything. And it will be so worth it. What good is it to gain the world? And lose your soul. Give up your life. Deny yourself. And find life. It, all, all of this puts the original question into perspective that Jesus asks. What does he mean when he says... Who do you say I am? When he says this to you, not just to Peter and the disciples. Who do you say that Jesus is? It's, it's interesting to think about what other people say about Jesus. Who, who do they say? But, but the key thing is what you say. It, it's, if you say that he is the Messiah, the Son of the living God... as as I'm sure many of you do as Christians, that's a big deal, right? Flesh and blood has not revealed that to you. You're not saying that because someone has said that to you. God in heaven has revealed that to you. No one can say Jesus is Lord apart from the Spirit of God. But it's not just what you say, but what your life says. It's what you do. Are you just saying that? Here's a great question to think through, taken from kind of what Jesus says to Peter. Do you, in your life, are you thinking more of, do you have in mind the things of God or merely human concerns? What does does your life look like? So it's it's not just what you say. Does your life back up that? If, if you were to ask the people in your life, your, your, your close friends, your family, even your colleagues, if, if they were to say, who is Jesus to this person? If you were to ask them, who is Jesus to this person? Would they say, oh yeah, no, this, their, that person I think is a Christian and they go to church. Or would they say, oh, Jesus is everything to that person. What does is, what is your bank account say? I'm not just talking about what are you giving to the church or to the kingdom of God. The whole, what does it all say? Is it all built around Jesus? Your diary, what does that say? That you say about Jesus? Does that show that Jesus is your Lord, or you know that He's part of your life? Your web history, and I'm not just talking about porn. I, I there is that, but. But everything that you look look at online, does that show that you've got the things of God in mind or merely human concerns? Your eye history, just everything you look at generally, your, your dreams of life, your goals in life. Do they say that Jesus is Lord or just do you have merely human concerns in mind? Have you sold your soul to these things? What good would that be? So so there's a sense of of get over yourself. You won't get there on your own. It's not even worth getting to what this world offers if you could. You're not on an exclusively upward trajectory. So get over yourself, yes, but do take your life seriously. I'm not saying just it doesn't matter, get over you. Do take your life seriously. Make sure that you don't just have merely human concerns in mind where you're gaining the world but forfeiting your soul, but that you have the things of God in mind. The way up is down, but what goes down will come up in the kingdom of God. I, I, I want to be super clear. I'm not despising high moments with God. I, I really am not. And I, am, I pray passionately that you will have one today where you meet with God but whether you do or don't, today and tomorrow, take up your cross and follow him. Here's, here's something exciting to say, and I'll, I'll, I'll finish with this, that Jesus says, this is quite exciting. Jesus says, I will build my church. Jesus promises, he's a promise keeper. And he says that he will build his church. And you know what? He has. It's honestly one of the most, the biggest kind of proofs that Jesus is who he says he is, is how he has fulfilled this promise. When he says, he's just saying this to, you know, 12 misfits in a random Caesarea Philippi, a random place a couple of thousand years ago. Loads of people have said stuff like this before. But but he has done it, and we, we stand here today as evidence of that. There's, there's over 2 billion Christians in the world today as evidence of the fact that he has built his church. It's, it's hard to get numbers on these things, but around 25 million people will become Christians this year. So he has built his church, and he is building his church. You take an average, that's about 68,000 Christians every day if today's an average day hard to get that but but Jesus is building his church he will do it but he invites his people to get involved he says he will build his church on the foundation of faith-filled believers like Peter so are you in not looking for world beaters we're looking for giver-uppers who are willing to accept they can't but to be all in for Jesus Let me pray. Father God, I thank you so much for sending your son. And Jesus, I thank you so much for leaving the unimaginable heights of heaven and equality with God to become a human servant, to be obedient to death, even death on a cross. And we now acknowledge that you are now, Jesus, exalted to the very, very highest place. And we worship you as Lord. I pray for my brothers and sisters that you would help them to put you in your rightful place. Would we all lay down our lives for you? Deny ourselves, take up our crosses. And would we be all in for you? We want in, Jesus, as you build your church. We want in. We're here. We, We give up doing it ourselves, but we say, well, we'll join in with you. And we give ourselves to you, King Jesus. Amen.